Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who does not think Italian food is overrated, Ben O'Brien. How you doing? Trevor, I, I love Italian food. I, I think Italian food's fantastic. Um, obviously, and we've had, <laughs> I know for a fact Brandon and I have had this exact conversation, but pizza's the best. I mean, pizza's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, lasagna's fantastic. I will say, here's the thing with Italian, Italian food. It's a lot of pasta, and pasta makes you feel very, very full. So, like, if you eat a nice, solid piece of lasagna, it's one of those where it's like, I'm ready for a nap. It really knocks you out. So, I love sure. Italian food. But there's definitely some drawbacks to it, as there is with any food. Yeah, there's drawbacks with any food. You know, like, I don't know. Like, there are a ton of foods that can just, like, they're so good, but they make you feel like crap, right? Like, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily think that Italian food is one of those. Well, I guess pizza maybe to some degree is. Um, maybe it's just a lot of carbs. Yeah, it's a lot of carbs, but I love it. You know, carbs are great. Carbs are great. Pizza's great. Pasta's great. So, you know, Brandon might not appreciate Italian food quite as much as you do and I do. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, we're here, uh, without Brandon, unfortunately, we miss him. We hope he, uh, will be back next week, uh, to hear all of his horrible takes, but, um, you know, it's a great day, right? Like it's mother's day. Happy mother's day to all of the mothers out there. Everything you do is wonderful. You are appreciated. Uh, like the weather's getting better. Like I'm here in the Chicago area. You're, you know, I think you normally have a little bit better weather than I normally do, right? But like, you know, I, don't, I don't get that that uh, that lake effect weather like yeah. you do up there in Chicago. Trevor. Yeah, exactly. You're a little bit more south than me, and you don't yes. have the lake effect, so that definitely helps. But yeah, I mean, this week I'm looking at the forecast right now, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. It's going to be in the 80s. You know, like it, I, it's going to be nice. And I know, you know, you might think it's a slightly too hot, but like for me, like. If the rain's out of the picture, if it's like sun, I'm good. Like I don't, I don't care. Just give me sun. Get rid of the rain. Like let's fully move into like late spring and yes. summer, uh, because that's that's the best. Like this is the best uh, time of the year as far as weather goes, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's the best because I, I mean, everyone wants to get outside, right? And like, it's one of those where I'm always hesitant, you know. Midwest weather like I'm always hesitant to be like oh it's finally spring because I know that it's, I'm, it's gonna hit me with like snow like it did it snowed in April but um I do think Trevor we finally rounded the corner to where it's like all right the foreseeable future looks pretty pretty favorable in terms of nice sunny weather um most days so that's that's definitely always an exciting part of every spring when that when that when you finally feel like you're turning the corner um towards that those warmer summer months that are um on the horizon yeah for sure I, I definitely think we have turned the corner so that is a good thing and I say that, and then by Friday, maybe we'll get some, like, snow yeah, again. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. You never know with uh, the weather nowadays. But, yeah, it should be great. Um, and we have a great podcast for today. Uh, we have a couple small talk topics today, which, you know, we haven't had we haven't had a lot of small talk lately. Uh, but we're going to start with the Kentucky Derby because yesterday uh, we had a pretty wild finish. Uh, Rich Strike uh, won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, his odds, or the, the horse's odds, were 80-1. to 1 which I believe is the second like second biggest upset ever in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, back in 1913, uh, there was a horse that had an odds of 91 to 1. Rich Strike's odds were 80 to 1. So a huge upset. I mean, if you watch the video, you know, whether you watch live or you just watch like the video, when you see Rich Strike coming all the way from the back and just like going up to the front and then like barely wins it at the end. It's just it's just wild, uh, Ben. What what were some of your thoughts on this? 
it, it yeah, yeah like you said it's wild and it's one of those things where there are very few people that i would say know a lot about horse racing like we just we just we watch it once a year right like you just turn on the tv you watch the kentucky derby um so it's hard to have like this this crazy analysis on it other than the horse wasn't supposed to win and it won which is wild and it's even crazy like i, I was reading trevor I don't know if you saw this but either the horse or the jockey or maybe both they didn't even get to Kentucky until like that day or the day before. Mm-hmm. Like I just read something where the jockey was racing on horses in Cincinnati on Friday. All right, so the race was on Saturday. On Friday, he was in a different city racing. He showed up with this horse literally like the night before or the morning of the race, and he wins the biggest race of the year just out of nowhere. So it's one of those stories where it's like, it's it's kind of it makes it fun, right? And the reason why the Kentucky Derby is such a big deal is because obviously people gamble on it. It's, it's a big um, spectacle in terms of sporting events, and it's a big it's a big event in general. So to see something like that happen just every once in a while, I'm not asking for this 80-1 to 1 long shot to win every single year, but to see that happen every so often, I really do think it's great for, for the sport of horse racing that, again, people don't follow other than one weekend a year, maybe a couple weekends a year. Um, so to see something like this happen, I really do think it keeps the, the sport and kind of the event of the Kentucky Derby relevant for hopefully the next few years and hopefully for the foreseeable future after that. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, like there's not a lot, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's not like I'm watching like a bunch of horse racing broadcasts, so I don't know yeah. exactly like what the discourse is, but it's not like there's a lot of analysis. Like you said, it's more just like, no. you know, you're sitting back, you know, maybe you're cooking out in your backyard or something and you just have it on the TV or I don't know like and you're just kind of watching it you're listening to it you're not like fully focused on it but you're just like and eh, you know you're having a good time and then as those two minutes of the race then you're like fully focused on it and it's just like you know people like to gamble on it people like to watch it you know it's fun so I, I think that's what it's about you know it's always cool to tune in to events like this and another thing to point out actually my mom told me this this morning the jockey uh Sonny Leon for uh the horse Rich Strike uh, he's actually uh, a regular rider who rides, uh, I think, around like the Mahoning Valley area in Austintown, Ohio, which is kind of where I'm from. Really? Um, which yeah. is very interesting. I think he's a rider at the Hollywood Casino, I guess, uh, that's at the Mahoning Valley Racecourse in Austintown, Ohio. So, very interesting. Another thing that just for me personally uh, was an interesting news story to hear about. So, very cool uh, with the Kentucky Derby. Obviously, I know we have a couple other major horse races coming up. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow those. It looks like we have the Preakness on May 21st. On June 11th, we have the Belmont Stakes. So very interesting. Uh, another small talk topic we have here. You know, just another quick thing. It's not like we're super focused on uh, the Champions League, which is, you know, the main European soccer league uh, that takes place. But we wanted to talk about it today. We don't have the expert Josh Baskin to break it all down. But... I wanted to mention this, Ben, because Real Madrid played Manchester City in the second leg of the Champions League semifinals. And by second leg, if you're listening to this and you're like, second leg, what does that mean? It's basically just like in the Champions League, the teams play a home-and-home. So Real Madrid and Manchester City will play one game where Real Madrid is the home team, so they'll play in Spain. Then they'll go back to England. They'll play a home game where Manchester City is the home team. And then they'll see, based off of those two games, overall, who you know who has more goals scored, who is the winner. Right, and then there's all kinds of tiebreakers. But this game was interesting because it seemed like Manchester City had it in the bag. Uh, they were up one nothing in this game, and overall, in the two games combined, they were up five goals to three goals. And then Real Madrid in the 90th minute made they had 
three goals within the span of six minutes. It was a like a catastrophe for Man City. One of the biggest uh, <laughs> choke jobs, I would say, that I can remember in sports. Like you can think back to like the Atlanta Falcons and the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm gonna mention that. I'm a Patriots fan. Have to. But this one was just a, a huge <laughs> blow for Manchester City. And I know Josh, if he's listening to this, was probably very happy about this because I know that he's a Manchester United fan. But just interesting thing I wanted to point out, uh, Ben, uh, what, what did you think when you saw some of these uh, highlights? Well, Trevor, I, I've, I've been a European soccer fan for about a week. So I'll say it's one of the craziest games I've ever seen, mainly because I've only seen about three of them. Um, but it is wild. Again, it's one of those things where they're both very well well known and well established clubs, so it's not like um, the idea of Real Madrid winning is is a shock. But kind of the way it happened, it all happened at the very end. Like you said, a total choke job by Man City. Um, definitely interesting, and it's kind of one of the, it's like it's one of those things where, and I remember Brandon he told me this years ago when he was kind of explaining what the Champions League was to me because I didn't watch European soccer. I still really don't watch it, um, and he's always kind of followed it. The idea that you can have these two different teams that are from two completely different countries, um, two completely different leagues, and, and see them play and, and have this awesome matchup like that. It just shows really how cool of a sport soccer is, especially over there in Europe. Um, and, and it shows the reason why it's such a big deal and why it's the most popular sport in the world and why in Europe it is it is life. Because it's, it's just a cool idea to, to see that you can have these two powerhouses from two completely different parts of the world, two completely different leagues, um, be be able to play a game like that and have this awesome matchup. It's just it's a really cool thing to have. So the idea of this Champions League in general is such a cool concept. Even if you're not a soccer fan, soccer fan, just think of it through a sports fan like lens to have this this massive tournament in the middle of their in their own regular seasons. These leagues to have this massive March Madness style tournament in this bracket. Um, it's just wild. It's wild to think about, and it's such an interesting concept to me and probably a lot of other people why it's such a big deal. Um, so again, obviously this game specifically Real Madrid, great win for them. Obviously they make it to, to the uh, the championship, but just in general, the Champions League is is such an interesting and such a unique sporting spectacle that that you don't see in any other sport. Um, and again, I, this is coming from someone like me who who doesn't watch it, but I'm I'm trying to appeal to people who ha- have never watched it, give it a chance because it actually is a really cool concept. And I do think if you give it a chance, it's something that that definitely will at least catch your eye for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, the perfect opportunity to, to catch it, if you've never seen it before, would be the Champions League final, which is coming up on Saturday, May 28th. It'll be Real Madrid, who won this game, and then it'll be Liverpool, um, another team in England, who they will be facing. So that'll be a really good game. Uh, the final is just winner-take-alls, you know? So it's like the Super Bowl of European soccer, yeah. I would compare it to. Um, it's one game. It's not two legs. So It'll be very fun, uh, and you know, in one game, uh, you know, anything happens. So that'll be fun. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, but that'll kind of conclude our small talk. We have an interesting segment that we kind of thought about on the spot when we were talking about, like, you know, with the NFL schedule releases coming out on Thursday. Um, so we decided to do instead of randomly ranked, instead of trivia, we are going to rank our top five most box office NFL teams. So essentially, like. You know, scheduling, they have to figure out, like, what teams to put for the primetime games. Like, you know, like the Rams, they're, they're Super Bowl champions. You have the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Like, like we have to get these teams primetime games, get them Sunday night games, get them Monday night games, stuff like that. So we ranked our top five teams that basically are the most entertaining, the most box office, 
the most fun teams that you need to watch this upcoming NFL season. So uh, how do you want to start this, Ben? Do you want to start? I know you had some honor roll mentions um, because it's very hard to make the top five, right? It is. I mean, it, it, it's hard to – The I mean, the NFL is just such a crazy league where every team has entertaining aspects to it, even the bad ones. There's reasons to watch. Um, so to, to pick just five, when you proposed the idea, Trevor, I was like, oh, I can do that. And then I actually looked at, like, all the teams, and I'm like, there's no way I can only pick five. It's impossible. It's really, really hard. Um, and I will say this. No matter what our list is, there's definitely arguments for the teams that we don't put on there. There's going to be arguments for it. So if you're a fan of a team that is not put on there, I promise you – they're, they were probably considered because pretty much every team was considered, um, but it's impossible to, to, to put them all on there. You had to only pick five. And, again, I'm, I'm not happy with my list. There's multiple parts of my list that I hate, but any any variation of my list, there's going to be things I didn't like about it. Um, so it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, just some honorable mentions I had, Trevor, and I, obviously they're not going to be in my top five, but all of these teams are teams that at one point I was like, eh, they could be in my top five. One with the Ravens. All right, Ravens had half their team hurt last year, so the fact that they're coming back healthy, that's definitely – um, intriguing just to see how good they can be. Obviously, you have the Cardinals with their addition of Hollywood Brown. Um, you still have Kyler Murray. You still have J.J. Watt. Okay, they still have a lot of talent on that team. Um, the Raiders, how can you how can you not talk about the Raiders with, with their, obviously, addition of Devontae Adams um, in, in a crazy division like the AFC West. I even threw the Dolphins on there, Trevor, because I don't know why not. They got Tua, who, is he good? Is he not? I don't know. Um, obviously, they got Tyreek Hill in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, just a couple of my honorable mentions there. Obviously, they're not going to be in my top five. But teams that I felt like deserved the the respect of me at least mentioning them because, again, it was so hard to only pick five. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many teams. And the Dolphins, that's another one um, that I wasn't totally thinking about. But the Dolphins are also a team that I'm going to be excited to watch. Um, you know, being in the Patriots division, I'll definitely catch them quite a few times this year. Uh, but yeah, so did you want to go ahead with your top five, uh, and then I'll do mine or yeah. how do you want to do this? Absolutely. Okay. I'll, I'll go top five. Okay. So my number five, all right, I went with the chargers. All right. Los Angeles chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one, this was a team where I was like, I got to put them in there. I got to put them in there. Okay. Because if you, if you just look at, look at the people on their team, Trevor, you obviously got Herbert. Um, I'm not a big Herbert fan. I, that's, that's pretty clear. Not a big Herbert fan, but he is fun to watch. Okay. Obviously you got. People like Mike Williams, people like Keenan Allen, people like Joey Bosa. Um, for a couple of years now, they've just been building this this phenomenal team. And yes, they're in a tough division, um, but they absolutely have what it takes to win that division. So I think the Chargers are obviously an extremely entertaining team to watch. My number four, I had to go with the Los Angeles Rams, and maybe I should have put them higher. And I, I'm trying so hard not to be biased, but I freaking hate the Rams because they beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. But they are still an entertaining team. All right. Obviously, they have Matthew Stafford, who maybe isn't the most entertaining quarterback because he's not flashy like other quarterbacks are. <laughs> Um, but he is still he's still a good quarterback, and he gets the job done. Obviously, they have people like Odell, and obviously they have the best uh, wide receiver in the NFL at the moment, Cooper Cup. Um, so the Rams were my number four. Three, I put the Bengals. All right, I wanted to put them higher, Trevor, but I felt like if I put them any higher, it would look bad. All right, it looked like it looked like I was being um, subjective. I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. So I put the Bengals on there, but I do think Trevor, the Bengals deserve to be in the top five. Obviously, you got Joe Burrow, you got. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, phenomenal receiving core. You have Joe Mixon. All right, they have a defense that they just drafted, I don't know, like four or five dudes to add to their defense. They drafted two DBs in the first two rounds. Um, They do have a very entertaining team and a very fun team to watch, and I think that will be reflected with the amount of primetime games they have this year. Number three, I put the Chiefs. And, yes, the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill, but I still think if you have Patrick Mahomes and even Travis Kelsey on your team, people are going to want to watch you, okay? You've got to put – 
Um, you got to put them in the top five. You got to put Patrick Mahomes on, on primetime TV because anything he does is, is magical. And then number one, Trevor, I put the Buffalo Bills, and here's why. Okay, The Buffalo Bills are not a flashy team, but if you look at their team, they're just a really good team. Josh Allen is a stud, and he throws it like a million miles an hour, and he can throw like 80 yards, 80 yards uh, down the field. Obviously, they have Diggs, who's phenomenal. Okay, Obviously, they now have Von Miller. I just think as a team, they are obviously one of the best teams in the NFL, but they're also just a really, really fun team to watch because, yes, they're not as flashy as the Chiefs are, but I think they just play really solid football, and maybe that's a boring answer, a boring, boring explanation. But they're just fundamentally a really, really fun team to watch because they, they don't do anything. They're not really bad at anything. They, they, they're just a really solid team all around. Um, so I put them at number one. I, I, I felt like I had to. Now, Trevor, before I let you go, I don't know if you noticed, but I left the Bucks out of there. And, yes, I really wanted to put the Bucks in there, Trevor, but it was just hard for me. It was really hard for me to do it. So I'll let you go. I just, I just wanted to give you the heads up that – um, before you go off on me for not putting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in there, I, I couldn't do it. I, 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 I feel like I didn't have enough room to put them and the Rams in there, so I didn't do it. And the Bucs right. just were a casualty of, of my of my list at the moment that I made it. So I'm sorry, Trevor. Just in advance, I'm sorry for, for what I did to you there. No, it's it's totally fine. Uh, it's totally fine. I can understand that because it's just, again, it's, there's so oh, many Oh, so you agree with me? So you're going to leave the Bucs out too? Is that what you're saying? So, no, I, I did not leave the Bucks out, <laughs> and kidding. I'll, I'll get kidding. to where I put them. I did not leave them out. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I think there's definitely, I mean, with you had the Rams and the Chargers. Like, the Chargers didn't make my top five, but I can understand putting them ahead of the Bucks. Like, yeah. they, you know, you have Justin Herbert, who's, you know, one of the new, I mean, like, I guess not, I guess he's not one of the face of the league yet, but eventually he probably will be one of the face of the he league, along with Joe yeah. Burrow. Um so, you know, I don't blame the Chargers pick. The Ravens, I actually had – they would have been my sixth team. Uh, they, they were that next team yeah. in my top five, so the Ravens were yeah, very close. Too. Even the Broncos, I mean, just getting Russell Wilson, um, having that defense, seeing how the new roster shakes out, I'm very excited to watch the Broncos. Uh, they would have been, like, maybe that seven or eight team along with uh, the Chargers there. Even, like, Packers, Raiders left those teams out. So, anyway, there's so many teams you could list. But uh, number five, so I hard, have yeah. – so I have the Bengals at number five, Ben. Uh, the Bengals, I, f- okay. I felt like I had to put him in there um, because I love watching Joe Burrow. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they have so much other talent as well. Like Jamar Chase is very fun to watch. You know, he, he might not be the best wide receiver in the league yet, but in a year or two, he might be. So he's very fun to watch. Uh, they have other, you know, really good skill position guys on their team. You know, they have some good, interesting defensive players. Um, and the Bengals, I don't know, they're, they're, they were so fun to watch in that playoff run last year. I felt like I had to put them in my, in my top five. And because they are the Super Bowl loser, they certainly deserve to have a ton of primetime games. I hope to see them in big matchups with other entertaining teams. Uh, number four, I have the Rams the same spot you do, Ben. They are the Super Bowl champs. I totally understand it. Matthew Stafford, OBJ, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, like all those guys, the really good defense. Um, which lost, you know, a couple pieces, but is still supposed to be pretty darn good, I would say. Uh, the Rams, I, I had to put them in my top five as well. I have them here at number four. Uh, number three is where I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, and again, try not to be too biased, but, you know, when you have Tom Brady, like, at this stage, yes. you know, it's like, how many more years are we going to get of watching Tom Brady yes. play football? I don't know. Um, I they have to have a lot of primetime games because of that. It's the same thing. 
you know, when Michael Jordan was playing, you know, and, and when Michael Jordan was with the Wizards, he wasn't as good as Tom Brady is now, but nevertheless, I'm sure he got a lot of primetime games. And LeBron James, you know, however many years he's going to play, like, he's going to have a ton of primetime games. Even if he's not with the Lakers, he'll still have a ton of primetime games, um, regardless, because he's LeBron James. So they had to be on the list. And again, they're still a really good team. They still have a very good chance to win the NFC. Uh, you know, we'll see. With the defense, I wasn't super happy with how it, that season ended with the defense and stuff like that. And, you know, they had some injuries, but should be a fun team to watch another for another year, obviously. Number two is where have the Chiefs. So, you know, we're starting to see a lot of agreement between you and I, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs have yeah. at number two. They lost Tyreek Hill, uh, but they still have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Travis Kelsey, um, you know, they added some other pieces. Uh, on the team and they're going to be in the mix maybe not they're not going to be quite as good as last year but I still would be surprised if they miss the playoffs I still think they'll at least make the playoffs uh, probably won't pick them to win the Super Bowl but they're going to be very fun and uh, number one I agree with you again Ben it's the Buffalo Bills and you know you said you don't think the Buffalo Bills are all that flashy I don't know I don't know what what is what are we defining as flashy like Patrick Mahomes is like random like sidearm throws to Tyree Kill in the yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think some of the stuff Josh Allen does is incredibly fun to watch. What he can do on the run, uh, throwing the ball. He's also just like like he's big, so like when he runs, like you don't want to tackle him necessarily. If you're like a linebacker, it's like oh I gotta go tackle Josh Allen. I don't really want to yeah. do that, you know. Uh, it's not like he's like Kyler Murray out there. Like this guy is, he's big. So um, yeah, they're, they're very fun to watch. They have, and also the Buffalo Bills, I think a sneaky good draft for them. It's not like they did anything crazy, but they add uh, the, the corner. I think his name's Elam um, that they added in the first round. They get James Cook in the second round, you know, just like adding around the edges. Cause when you're a team like the Buffalo Bills, you're already so close. You're already so good. You just need to get a couple little pieces here that could come and step in from day one and be contributors. Not, you know, you know, not game changers necessarily, but pieces where you the the few pieces where you lack in that corner. I think they could use, and then they get James Cook. Um, you know, in the running back room should be good for the Buffalo Bills. So I had to put him at number one because, I mean, just when I when I just think about it, like who is the number one team that I want want to see play? I think it's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I agree. And it's one of those things, Trevor, where I think the reason why I said they're not flashy, Trevor, is because the city of Buffalo is, like, the most blue-collar city of all time. So it's yeah. impossible for me to ever put the word, like, Buff- the city of Buffalo and the word flashy in the same um, sentence. But they do have all the talent in the world, and they have all the- they have all these different playmakers to where I guess you could call them a flashy team. But, again, they're in Buffalo, and the weather there sucks, and it's going to be, like, 20 degrees for, like, half their games. Um, so it's just hard for me to call them a flashy team, but they essentially are. They're just in Buffalo, so it's hard for me to do it. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so it should be fun. Uh, we have this schedule release on Thursday, so we'll be talking more about the NFL next weekend. Uh, you know, we'll probably have, I don't know, we'll we'll have a couple segments that we'll probably talk about as far as the NFL goes, but it should be fun. Um, but now we're going to kind of move to the NBA playoffs as we are in the midst of the conference semifinals. Um, so we have four series going on right now. All of them are two. All of them are like a series where a team leads another two to one. There's no team that hasn't won a game yet. So every series, in theory, is like kind of close. You know, I wouldn't say yeah. every series is super close, but 
like no team is completely out of it because no team's down 3-0. So it's been pretty interesting. We had another amazing week of games um, and another week of just like, you know, I always love the discourse. Like I always love, you know, NBA Twitter. I always love the different podcasts, you know, uh, seeing the reaction on, you know, different shows, network television, ESPN, Fox, you know, CBS, like all the different shows. Uh, the TNT crew obviously is a big one, seeing Barkley and Shaq and all those guys, Ernie, uh, break it down, Kenny. It's very interesting, you know, with the discourse. And I think we had a very good week of just like a bunch of different storylines, like related to officiating, related to injuries, related to just individual and team greatness. So it's been fun. So I'm, I'm just going to go series by series here. And I'll start with uh, the, the number one seed in the East, the Miami Heat, against the four seed Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the Heat are up two to one. The 76ers were able to pull one back in game three on Friday in Joel Embiid's return. And, and for me, like Joel Embiid, I mean, I don't know. Again, I've never had like a, a, like a broken face or like a fractured orbital bone. I've been fortunate enough to not have a lot of injuries in my life. Um, but I, I don't, I just don't understand like how Joel Embiid is able to play through injuries like that and play. It's not like he had an incredible game, but to still make such an impact that he did on Friday, particularly defensively. I mean, it's just pretty incredible. Like we, we've seen so many other really good performances when players are, you know, injured or players are hurt. Like, you know, like Michael Jordan has flu game. And then as far as injuries, I know that, like, back in, I think, the late 80s, Isaiah Thomas had, like, the one performance where he was, like, kind of injured. I think it was, like, his ankle or something. So it's always interesting when we see, like, great performances when guys are injured. And I think Joel Embiid did that. And just, like, pretty incredible um, to watch. I, I don't know. I mean, the Heat didn't play well, obviously. I was very unhappy with that. But we have game four today. I'm hoping that they can... Uh, get the win because I don't want I don't want this thing going back two uh, two to Miami. I wanna I wanna shut the door yeah. closed here. Uh, but Ben, do you have any thoughts on this series or uh, Joel Embiid's return? Well, I'll, I'll say this: if you're gonna wear a mask like that, you have to play well. Like it's impossible for you to wear a mask like that and look like a villain like that and not play well. I mean, look at like when LeBron did it. Like LeBron went off when he did it with the Heat, right? When he wore that mask. So if you're gonna wear a mm -hmm. mask like that, and I don't think. That, Trevor, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this is the first time that Embiid's done this, right? Like, hasn't he worn this mask before? I feel like he has. I think he, I think he wore a mask against the Heat before, in a, like in the, like a couple years ago. Yeah, I feel like I remember. Anyway, I just, <laughs> I think it makes so much sense that he was as good as he was in Game Three because if you're gonna wear a mask like that, you have to play well. You have to because if you don't play well, you're gonna get made fun of for wearing it. And yes, I know he's wearing it for a reason, but still, he's gonna get made fun of for for for, for looking like that um, if you don't play well. I did say, I remember last week when I predicted this series, I don't remember if I said, I don't remember. I, I said heat and like, I don't know if I said sweep or five, whatever. Um, but I remember saying that even if MB comes back in game three or four, like we like we all kind of thought he, he could, I said by that point, I think the series will be over. I think the heat will kind of have at least mentally t uh, won this series. Um, and I might've been wrong on that, Trevor, because if MB can continue to play like that and he, they can find a way to win today and even the series, I think the series is 100%. Um, it's on, and it, 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 the the outcome is still up in the air. Obviously, if the Heat are able to, your uh, your Heat are able to win today, Trevor, they go up three one, um, with two out of the next three at home. That's a different story. But I do think if this series can get tied, going back to uh to Miami, Trevor, it'd, it'd be very very interesting. And Joel Embiid obviously has to play 
really, really well in every game for them to have a chance to win because that I, I think the Heat are the better team. Um, but if he can do that, this might not be an easy one for your Miami Heat, Trevor. I do think this could be a very, very tight series if Embiid is, is playing as well as he did in Game 3. Yeah, and just a couple quick notes like on just like, you know, different players in the series before we move on to the next one. Uh, like the Heat in Game 3, they only shot about 23% from three-point range. Uh, I think they were like 7 for 30. So that's pretty out of character for the Heat. I will say like it was it was an absolutely atrocious shooting performance. It was one of the worst I've seen um, from the Heat all season. Might be the worst. I, I didn't even recognize the team. It was very out of character. And then even there were guys like that started to pass up shots because of the misses like Kyle Lowry. This was his first game back. He had missed quite a few games. And he was like just like passing up like open mid-range jump shots. And I was just like, what is what is going on with Kyle Lowry? Why is he passing up these jump shots? Um, hopefully that does not happen today and we get some like a big performance from him or Tyler Hero or Bam, one of these guys, um, because we definitely need uh, some of them to step up. Oladipo, you know, any one of these guys, uh, it would be great for them to step up. With the Sixers, uh, Tyrese Maxey has been awesome. And it's been interesting because I, I think I said during game two, I was like, I think Tyrese Maxey is actually more, like I'm, I'm more scared of Tyrese Maxey than James Harden because. You should be. Yeah, yeah. because Tyrese Maxey, like he's, I don't know, I think he's like 22, 21 years old. And he's so fast. Like he can just on transition, he can get out on the break and he can just get by pretty much anyone on the Heat team. You know, I mean, he's beating everyone on the Heat team in a foot race. So when he gets on the break, it's, it's very tough to stop. Whereas Harden isn't the same physically. He's not as athletic. He's not as fast, you know, and he's more of a facilitator at this stage. Although he did have a pretty solid game three. Um, but he's more of a facilitator. So I think Maxi overall is more of uh, the player I'm scared of. Although I think you have to at least acknowledge as a Heat fan that James Harden and Embiid's pick and roll is pretty dangerous. So we'll see. You know, I'm I'm certainly not, uh, and I never have. Like I've never been like, oh, this is gonna be an easy series. The Heat are just gonna walk over the Sixers. I've never felt that way, and I. I definitely don't want to get in that mindset because Philly could easily win tonight and be tied 2-2. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully that does not happen. Uh, next series, Bucks-Celtics. Bucks are up 2-1. to one. Uh, We had a really wild game yesterday that ended in, you know, some questionable officiating. There was one call where Marcus Smart caught the ball. It looks like he was about to shoot a three. Uh, late in the game, they were down three points. Um, so that would have put him at the free throw line for three free throws. But they called the foul on the floor on Drew Holiday. Now, to me, I thought it was a shooting foul because it seemed like Drew uh, Marcus Smart was going up into a shooting motion, motion. Like as soon as the foul occurred, he pretty much was off the floor, like like right after the foul. So I thought it was a shooting foul. I thought it was – I don't know. I don't want to say it was obvious, but to me, I just thought it was a shooting foul, and I thought Marcus Smart should have been at the line shooting three. However – you know, I, I never like to completely blame the refs. I don't I don't want to do that because if you look at I'm just watching the game or looking at the box score, either way you you slice it, like the feeling was that Milwaukee was the better team yesterday. They had more points in the paint. They, you know, really like established themselves. Giannis was really incredible at forty two points, and they had the lead for a decent portion of the game, especially a lot of that second half. Uh, Boston had a terrible third quarter. 
Jason Tatum in particular, I think going forward, Jason Tatum needs to be more aggressive, um, settling a little bit too much for jump shots. And I get that, you know, they're trapping him, they're doubling him. But, you know, if they can get some screens and pick and roll and they can get Jason Tatum going to the basket, really he needs to embrace that contact, like lean into the contact, expect and want the contact because the officials are kind of like rewarding that level of physicality. They're just certainly doing it with Giannis. Uh, which I don't really have a problem with. And even Jalen Brown, I think a couple times took advantage of that, where like he's he's being more physical on offense, you know, maybe getting away with a push off here or there. Um, and they're, you know, putting Jalen Brown at the line, putting Giannis at the line. So Jason Tatum needs to do that going forward, I think, for the Celtics. But this has been an incredible series. I mean, uh, what do, what do you think about what do you think about this series? And also we've gotten a couple Giannis LeBron comparisons. You know, I've seen that in the discourse a lot lately. What do you think about the LeBron and Giannis comparisons, Ben? Okay, well, it depends on what you're comparing them as. Because, yes, obviously they're both really good players. Um, but is, is Giannis LeBron James? No, no one's ever going to be LeBron James. I don't hate the comparison if you're just in terms of the best player on your team. Obviously a dominant player, a player like we've never seen before, that's fine. Um, but if you're going to take Giannis, who I don't know what year he's in, but he's not been around nearly as long as LeBron, and you're going to start putting him on the same level as LeBron James in terms of his legacy, that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, so I understand I understand the comparison in some aspects, but it also really bothers me in some aspects. And again, this is just me liking LeBron, um, and, and I, will always defend, I will always defend LeBron James when something like this happens. But I respect Giannis, and I do think he's a phenomenal player. And again, somebody... Um, that has a, a style of play like we've never seen before and, and a, a dominance to him that like we've never seen before. Um, in terms of the series, not going to lie, Trevor, my Celtics in six is not looking great, okay? Now, I'm not saying it's impossible for the Celtics to win the next three games and win this series in six, but I let Brandon talk me into Celtics in six last week because I didn't want to go Celtics in seven like him and you, I think, but it's not looking good. Okay, honestly, I should have just picked like Bucks and Seven because that's probably what's going to happen. But I do think the Celtics coming as close as they were to win in, to win in Game Three and going up two one with another game at home after that to really have a chance to maybe even go up three one in this series if they would have won Game Three and Four. I'm kind of afraid that that might be the turning point in this series. That might be um, kind of the the beginning of the end for the Celtics because you lose a heartbreaker like that, it, it's it's impossible. And yes. These are professional athletes, so I'm not saying that they can't do it, but it's hard to come back for a game four, um, knowing that you were so close to being up two one. All of a sudden, you got to play a game four that you really you have to win. It's a must win game four at home because if you go down three one, yes, it's happened before, but you got you go down three one, you got to go to Milwaukee for game or for game five and for game seven. It's just it's almost impossible. So I'm worried about the Celtics here. I, I want them to win this series. I think. I don't think they're the better team, but I, for whatever reason, I think they're the more fun team to watch, in my opinion. Maybe that's just because I don't want to see the Bucks win again because it's like, eh, whatever. But the Celtics have a long road ahead of them. Um, and again, the, I think the Bucks have looked like the better team in this series. Obviously, duh, they're, they're up 2-1. Great analysis. But um, Giannis has been phenomenal. I think, obviously, he's been the most dominant player in this series. Um, and again, I think the Celtics are in some trouble here because if, if they if they can't find a way to even this series in Game Four, it's, it's essentially over for them in this series, especially with with Giannis being as dominant as he's been in this series so far. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, certainly Game Four is a must win. 
But here's the thing, like I'm not backing off my Celtics in seven prediction at all. I still think it's gonna be. No, you should. I still think That's Celtics are gonna win it in seven. I should have done it too. Um, yeah. I think they will win Game Four, and I I still think in this series without Middleton, I think the Celtics are still the better team, and I think they will win the series. I mean, Jason Tatum shot four for nineteen from the floor, didn't make a single three pointer. I think that's going to change. Um, I, I think the Celtics got a little uh, – again, like they, they started to settle. Like that third quarter, it was a horrible quarter for them. I think with more ball movement, more ball movement, uh, just playing smarter in general, um, not allowing Giannis to, to dominate quite as much as he did, you know, building that wall. I think they will be able to do that, and I think, you know, some of these other guys will step up. I mean, even like Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart – was one of eight from the floor yesterday, one of four from three. He only had nine points. Like I, I just think some of these things are going to change enough to where I think the Celtics are still the better team. Um, but let's move on to the Western Conference. We have the Suns, Mavs. Suns lead two to one in that series. Um, it seemed like the Suns had a chance at a sweep here, but the Mavs got one back. They managed to win Game Three in Dallas. Um, you know, they, they played a really good game. They finally got their defense together after they had given up 121 points and 129 points in two games. And then they uh, held the Suns to 94 points. So really good game from Dallas um, in game three. Uh, ben, I'm, I'm going to turn to you just straight away. You know, down to one, Dallas has – they have another game in Dallas here, game four. What do you think Dallas's realistic chances are of winning this series? It's tough, Trevor. I, I think it's tough. And yes, they have Luka Doncic, okay? So I'm not saying that they can't win. Um, but is he the type of player that, if we're being honest, the rest of the team's not great. Yeah, they got Luka, but the rest of the team's not – it's not It's not the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're just not. Obviously, and again, this is great analysis, but they're not as good as the Phoenix Suns. Yes, that's why they're the four seed and the Suns are the one seed. Um, I, I do not think the Mavericks have a chance. I really don't. Now, if they were to win Game Three, they were up two-one. Different story, okay? Kind of like, kind of like the uh, the you know the the Celtics Bucks series as well. But the Phoenix Suns being up two-one, being the better team, all right. I I just don't see this Phoenix Suns team that we've seen all year. We have a lot of evidence that that can back this up. I can't see them losing three out of the next whatever four games. I just can't see it happening. Um, they're just too good. Chris Paul, when, when he's as good as he can be, we, we, we saw this earlier in the series. I mean, he, he literally, if he's as good as he is, he wants, as he can be, he won't miss. All right, we literally saw that. Um, obviously, they, ha- they have Booker and they have Aiton. Like, it's just the Suns are too powerful. And I think there, there are opportunities, and there have been opportunities for, for Dallas to, to steal a game or two. And obviously, they have, they, have, they've, they have one win in the series. But... I do think it's going to be hard for them to, to win again. I Honestly, Trevor, I wouldn't be surprised if this series ends in five. All right, Maybe I'm just calling my shot right now, but as good as the Suns are, and I think the lack of, of versatility with, with the Mavericks in terms of their options, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, to win this series already in a hole and already the, the inferior team in the series. So um, I would love to see a great series. And obviously we all would, but I, I really do think the Phoenix Suns are going to win this game, this series, in, in five, maybe six. I do not think there's any shot that this series goes to seven games. I really don't. 
Yeah, so I agree with that last point. I, I don't really think there's any shot that goes to seven games. Um, the the Suns are, uh, you know, clearly a better team. Um, the one thing that that didn't happen as much in Game Three, I guess, but happened in the first two games, is that the Suns, both Chris Paul and Devin Booker, uh, and and I think even other players, really hunted Luka Doncic on defense. They really took advantage of yeah. some of his uh, some of the things that he lacks on on the defensive on ball defense. And I mean, this is really the—I mean, this is the thing with Lucas' game. Like, as good as he is offensively, you know, I don't know if he's still the points per game leader in the playoffs. But as of at the end of game two, I think he, he was averaging more points than Michael Jordan in the playoffs ever. Which, again, he's only played 18 playoff games, but but still, in the amount of playoff games he's played, to average whatever it was, 33 points per game, pretty crazy. But to take that next step to, you know, I guess jump into. You know, if if he wants to be you know a top twenty, top twenty five all time player, something like that, like you gotta play, you gotta play defense. Like you gotta, you gotta get that part down. And he has all the capabilities to become a really good defender. Like he's not a little, he's not like a little six foot guard. Like he's not, you know, Allen Iverson or Chris Paul. He like he's he's like I don't know how tall he is, like six six or something like that. Like he's a big guy. Um, you know, he can, he can move, like he should be able to be a better defender than he has been so far in his career. And that's kind of the biggest thing, um, you know, the rest of the series. And then in the off season, working toward next year, getting down the defense because offensively he has pretty much everything. I mean, I mean, you can argue maybe he could work on like off ball movement, stuff like that to do some of the things that like Steph Curry does. But as far as what he does, passing, shooting the ball, uh, you know, playing in his own pace, getting into the teeth of defense and getting the floaters, the layups, you know, finishing. Like, he has so many different things offensively. It's just that defense. So that's just related to Luka. But with this Mavs team, it's just the Suns are just – they're too good, right? Like, you know, Chris Paul had a game that was very much out of his character. I mean, Chris Paul had seven turnovers in Game 3. He only had 12 points. He only had four assists, but he had seven turnovers. That just isn't going to happen again. I think that's the second most turnovers Chris Paul has ever had, ever in the in the playoffs. So I don't anticipate that happening again. And I guess you know, just for for the sake of sticking with my, my prediction, I can stick with Suns and six. But I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was Suns and five. Um, so we'll see going forward with that series. Uh, and then the last series we have, which in my opinion is the most fun series the series that i absolutely love this is i can't think of a like i don't know i can't remember a better second round playoff series than this warriors grizzlies one just because there are so many players that i love their game like i just love watching like john morant being the first one steph curry draymond green you know jordan Poole, clay thompson desmond bain jaron jackson you know i could go on there's so many fun guys to watch and the Warriors won this game. They had a pretty dominant performance. Um, I, I mean, the, the Grizzlies just had really no chance because the Warriors could not miss a shot. It looked a little bit like, uh, you know, the Warriors before Kevin Durant, like the 2016 Warriors. It looked a little bit like that just as far as, like, the you can't do anything about this. You can't do anything about it on defense. Like, what are you supposed to do if you're the Grizzlies? What lineup can you put out there? Like, how do you stop it? And I... If they shoot like that, you can't. So, you know, they're not going to have a performance that's that good again. The Warriors aren't going to shoot that well. But the fact that they're capable of it 
is very worrisome. I think if you're Taylor Jenkins, the coach of the, the Grizzlies, or you know the other players on the team or the fans, uh, because they just played that well. And Jordan Poole, you know, I've talked about him enough. I, I, you know, I could give him all the praise in the world. I could talk about it for an hour. He's incredible. Uh, but again, that that death lineup with the Warriors again is just playing so well. Poole, Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins. It's playing very well, um, and they have so many different options. Like it's going to be interesting to see if there is that Suns Warriors matchup. It's going to be interesting to see how the Suns match up defensively, how they kind of try to slow it down. I think it's going to be tough. And you know, we didn't even mention like Gary Payton the second uh, for the Warriors. He went down with an injury. Obviously, that that Dylan Brooks play that got him suspended for Game Three. Uh, they inserted Jonathan Kaminga, the rookie into the starting lineup and he did a pretty good job you know he you know it's not like he was stopping John Morant but he contributed well and uh, I think the Warriors are still going to win the series like I like I said you know I think this game was a big indication of that but John Morant's been so good that I don't think you can completely uh, count the Grizzlies but uh, any any final thoughts on this series Ben? This is what I was thinking Trevor as you as you were breaking down this series I might this this thought came to my head if I had somebody that took a time machine here from 30 years ago and they said, what's the NBA like today? These are the two teams that I think perfectly exemplify what the NBA and what what the state of basketball is right now. They pass the ball extremely well. They shoot the ball well. And they just make plays. And I, I think for whatever reason that them playing together and them matching up together is such a fun matchup for everyone. Like you said, I can't remember a second-round matchup that's been as fun and as entertaining as these, as these two teams because, again, they're kind of the same team. They have very similar qualities in how they play. Um, and, again, they, I think they, they, are, they are what the NBA is today, and they are what teams are trying to, to do in the NBA. They're trying – this is the model for winning. And the Warriors kind of laid this, this blueprint, you know, 2016, four or five years ago. Um, but And the Grizzlies have kind of been the, the new school version of that. Um, now, in terms of the series specifically, obviously – if the Warriors are going to play as well as they did in Game 3, no one's beating them, okay? When you're shooting over 50% from 3 and you're shooting like 90% from the free throw line and you're shooting 60-something percent from the field, nobody's going to beat you, all right? I don't care. You can pick any of the other teams that are still that are still left in this thing. No one's beating the Warriors if they can play like that. Now, we know they can't. They're not going to be able to play like that for the rest of these playoffs. But just the fact that they can do that is scary. And, again, this reminds me of the 2015, 2016, 2017 Warriors where it's like, they have a game like this. They drop 140, and it's like the fact that they can't even do this, that this is their ceiling, is scary. And it's it's impossible for really anyone to beat them if they're playing like that. Um, and just, I mean, just the weapons they have. Again, this is not the 2016 Warriors, but they have so many weapons. I mean, it's insane. When you look at this box score and you look at the the, the statistics and, and what these players are doing, obviously you have Curry, who's, who's been the driving force behind this, this franchise for years. And then, obviously, like you said, Trevor, you can't say enough about Jordan Poole and kind of his rise to stardom just in, in this season and these playoffs. Um, obviously, Draymond, not statistically not phenomenal, but he's kind of the heart and soul of that team. You can't forget about Wiggins, who's had a fantastic th- year this year. Oh, not to mention some guy named Clay Thompson, who's been phenomenal for a long time. So, again, this is nothing new. I mean, these Warriors have been around for a long time, but it's almost like we forgot about them for a couple years because Katie left, Steph and Clay were hurt. And now it's all of a sudden this year, and in, in, in these playoffs, it's like, oh yeah, remember the Warriors? Yeah, they're they're just as good, or almost just as good as they were back when everyone was talking about them, and they were the most one of the most popular sports teams in the world. Um, 
and again, I hate that I'm taking attention away from the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies have been a phenomenal team. They've been one of the most fun teams to watch. They've been, been like the trendy team to pick in these playoffs. If you don't, if you're not an NBA fan or you don't follow the NBA, you're rooting for the Grizzlies because you've seen, you've probably seen John Morant highlights on Twitter. So, the Grizzlies are a phenomenal team, but it's almost like they've met their kryptonite, which is a a better version of what they are in the Warriors. Um, so. I do think this series has every chance to go six, seven games. But again, if the Warriors are going to be shooting 50% from three and 90% from the free throw line and they're scoring 140 points, I can't see a team beating them. And that, that includes the Memphis, the, uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely going to be a fun series to continue to watch. Again, I said it's my favorite series just because, I mean, I think these two teams are the objectively, like we talked about, like, the five most box office teams in the NFL. I think these are number one and number two in the NBA, Absolutely. probably. In, in my opinion, at least. I know the Suns, like, the Suns are great, but I think these teams are probably number one and number two. So I'm just excited to see how this series, uh, you know, finishes out because this next podcast we record, you know, a lot of these series are going to be over. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like, if, if there's a game seven to any of these series, it'll probably be on next Sunday, or I think three of them mm-hmm. are scheduled for next Sunday. So. We'll see how it ends up, but I mean that's pretty much it. Like another great week of sports. Um, we're into May now, which is my favorite month of the year for for many reasons. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know the weather's getting nicer. We have great sports, and you know it, it's a great great time of the year. So I think that'll pretty much. Yeah, uh, I think that'll pretty much uh, wrap it up. If you wanna uh, end it off here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I I think you kind of get to this point in the year where. The NFL, middle of the offseason, you got the NBA, they're finishing up their season, you got baseball just starting. I still think there's always so much to talk about. Maybe it's just because we can talk forever, but there's always so much to talk about. Um, and there's so much that goes on, and there, there's so many things that we can cover to where I really do think that it, it's, it's always easy for us to be able to talk about these things. And obviously the NBA and the NBA playoffs, the way they're structured, are so entertaining and so fun to watch. Um, and I, I think that we will have plenty of things to talk about for the foreseeable future. So I look forward to that. Um, obviously thank you guys all for listening um, follow us on Twitter at the small baller um, anywhere that you listen to the, this podcast make sure you leave us a, a hopefully a five-star rating leave us a comment let us know what you what you think how much you enjoy this podcast without branding because I can promise you it's probably a lot um, but again we really do appreciate you giving us the most valuable thing that you have which is your time uh, we will continue to to provide you with our expert analysis on on things like the Kentucky Derby and European soccer because we clearly know a lot about those two things Um, But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons!